how are we all getting on? It's Philip O'Connor here. It is episode three of the Irish in Sweden podcast. And if I sound a little bit tired this morning, lads, I was out last night in Veerstrup's pub in Gamlaston, the old town here in Sweden, owned by Martin Hessian. And um, a few of the older heads here decided to get together for a few pre-Christmas drinks, right? Now, I don't drink alcohol, so it's not a hangover, right? But I had a pain in my face when I left that pub last night, right? So I joined up with Colin Courtney, who's been over here for 16 years, Kieran Blake from Cork, who owns a brewery in Strengthness and works as a, an engineering consultant, I think it is. And then you had Joe Howard, who's over here good, a good few years as well. Um, you had Kieran O'Reilly, scored a great goal for the Stockholm Gales in Oslo a few years ago. Uh, John Carroll, possibly the greatest footballer ever to play Gaelic football, amazing character altogether. You had Kevin Carroll uh, from Kalibi, who's just as good at telling a yarn as he is at kicking a football. And you had the wonderful, wonderful Liam Kennedy, the Irish man with the biggest heart in all of Sweden and all of Scandinavia, possibly the, the most lovely man you'll ever meet. And who also played football with, with us, but a huge hurling fan, and telling me a story last night about playing hurling in an abandoned hangout when they were building Bromma blocks. And it was just amazing. I've just, I've never laughed, or it's a long time since I laughed that much, you know. And it struck me that that's kind of what we're trying to build, that sense of togetherness I'm trying to build on this podcast, trying to trying to build something that we can all gather around, you know. And that's one of the things that's going to be talked about a little bit later on. I talked to Gary Lavelle, another uh, man with a long history in the Stockholm Gales, and with Conor McCann from Yavla GEA. So Yavla set up this year, they finally got a team going. So I talked to the two boys. Uh, about you know what the GA brings to us and how it provides us with something to gather around. And Connor tells a great story about a man who moved over here many years ago, and there was a GA tournament in his town, and that was the first time anything had ever happened there. There's no Irish pub in Yavla, there's no nothing like that to gather around, you know. But here was the GA tournament up there, so that'll be coming up in the second part of the show now. Uh, about the whole issue of going to have a few pints, right? There is, those of us who've been over here for a while kind of understand how it works. But if you're just over here working or if you've just arrived over and you're starting a contract, you might be a little bit younger, you might not be aware of these things. So uh, a couple of fellas have gotten into trouble and it's mostly lads, it has to be said, have gotten into trouble with uh, what they call ordnings vector, right? So they would be the bouncers that you meet on the door of the pubs or the nightclubs, you know? And their status is a lot different to a bouncer at home. So, you know, if you got into a shoving match, uh, you know, uh, with a bouncer that loan or whatever, often it just blows over and it's forgotten about. But here it can be an awful lot more serious because these guys have an awful lot more power. Now, we can argue, you know, into the, the early hours of the morning about whether or not they should have that power and whether or not the right people get it. The fact of the matter is, boys and girls, they have it. So the first interview up this week, I decided I'd have a chat with Aaron Kennedy. Now, Aaron's a fantastic guy altogether from Belfast in Northern Ireland. A former professional fighter, so not the kind of man you want to mess with. But he also spent about five years, I think it was, working on the doors in Belfast, and then a few years working on the door of the Liffey and a couple of Irish bars and a few other places here around Stockholm. So he has the inside track on it, and he had some fascinating insights into, you know, how we should behave ourselves, how we should deal with these situations. And you kind of think, you know, oh, here's a man who can handle himself, that, you know, he might be advising one thing when he ends up advising the exact opposite. So it's well worth listening to. So uh, without further ado, let's hear what Aaron Kennedy, who's now working as a personal trainer, and doing very well in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, let's hear what he has to say about how we should behave ourselves. We're out for a few Christmas points to bright, brighten up the cold Swedish winter. Uh, it's an 
awful lot of people like to go for a pint when they get here to Stockholm, despite the expense of it, right? Uh, you spent several years uh, on the doors of the Liffey and a couple of other places. So I just wanted to get your picture of what it's like to be a doorman here. If you compare it to, you know, your home in Belfast or other places that you've worked in, what's it like working in Sweden? Uh, for me, Sweden was a lot easier than what it was in Ireland. Was it, yeah? yeah it was I. Whenever I was working in Ireland, it was a lot more, um, you got a lot more back talk, a lot more cheek. Yeah. But whenever I was actually in Sweden, it turns out that I basically figured out the more polite you can be to people, the more polite they are back to you. Yeah. Would that not be the same in Ireland <laughs> if you were to try it? It's, it's, it's true. Actually, it, it is true. But um, the Swedish people have a certain way of responding to authority. And as long as you're polite about it, they seem to do exactly what you ask them to do. Yeah. The majority of the time. Now, one of the things that people don't realise, Aaron, is that when you go up to the door in a pub or a nightclub here, or when you see somebody with that badge that says Ordnings Vact on it, right? Mm -hmm. They have powers above what you might have if you're a doorman in, you know, Tamango's Malahide or, you know, Lavery's Gin Palace in Belfast, right? Can you explain what the legal situation is there? Uh, the, the power that's granted to these Ordnings Vact, in my opinion, is far too much for mm. the experience and the knowledge that they actually have. So basically, you know, these men and women are allowed to have battens on them mm. and they're also allowed to have handcuffs on them. And basically, it's if they choose to arrest you, they can arrest you and then you get straight to the police. Mm. And there's not much you can do about it. And at the same time as well, back home in Ireland, you know, if you get into a bit of a scuffle or a bit of a fight with a doorman, you know, the police may be called, um, charges may be pressed or whatever if you if you attack a doorman, but chances are if you attack a doorman or fight a doorman, you'll both brush it off and it'll be like, right, move on, whatever. Mm. Over here, if you lay a finger in an orange vac, it's the same as doing it in a cop and you're in a lot of trouble. Mm. So legally, uh, in Swedish, it's called Voldbotjenstemen, which is basically violence against a person in authority, a policeman, in this case, a bouncer. So what you're really doing is you're taking on somebody with an awful lot more legal authority than what we might be used to in Ireland or in the UK, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, now, there's also that thing of the omerta, you know, like, um, I, I don't think an ordnings vector or a bouncer here, you know, you never hear them being taken to court and done for assault, right? The police usually tend to take their line. Is that right? That's also correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, I don't want you to admit to anything, you know, but, you know, if you could just give me a little bit of your experience, like, did you get, you know, not that we're looking for violence here, but did you get many rows on the doors? Did you have to use violence on occasion? Here in Sweden? Yeah. Uh, very rarely. Very rarely. Where I was working, though, was actually quite lucky. Uh, and I also, um, through my experience, learned how to just use words as opposed to violence to mm. solve problems. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here we have a language barrier as well, right? Um, you have... People coming over, uh, you know, from Ireland, they're going to work here, and yeah, you know, they might be on good money, and they go out for a few points, right? The beer here is a lot stronger, right? So some of it's five point four, five point six percent. The pint of Guinness now is four point three percent. So you start to get notions an awful lot quicker than maybe what you might get at home, right? Um, in terms of, you know, like what can a bouncer do? Can they ask you to leave? Can, you know, how should you react to them when they deal with you? I'm assuming that you know you should be as respectful to them as they are to you. Yeah. So. Um, there's a lot of things that I could say on it, but the, the best way to think about it is no matter how ignorant and how rude they are to you, always be as polite as possible back. Yeah. Because um, that's how you're going to get the best results from the situation. Mm. The second you try to bite back with words, especially if you're from Ireland mm. and you're speaking to someone from Sweden, they don't have a clue what you're actually saying, mm. they're just going to take it as aggression. And if they take it as aggression, that's not going to end well for you. Mm. So you reckon that if we're speaking English with a few points in us, you know, like our accent is probably against us to begin with because we're this BBC. 100%. 100%. Have you experienced that yourself oh, when you're I, out in the town? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I've had a few couple of people working with me yeah. and they're all just look at me whenever Irish people 
people walk up to the door and they're like, what were they talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just how it is. And I'm like, it's all right, I got this one, don't worry. Yeah, you yeah. can see they're coming a mile off kind oh, of thing. The GA jersey. On them, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, if somebody was to find themselves in a situation, Aaron, like let's say the worst comes to the worst, they get in a row with a bouncer and mm. they hit him or they push him or something like that. And all of a sudden the police are called, right? <laughs> run. <laughs> That's the first thing, just run like fuck. Right. But, um, you know, basically, are you... Like I was actually stopped on the way here, you know, by, by the police uh, for, because of a thing with the car, you know. And I was just doing the usual things. If you ever have to talk to the police again, just be as respectful as possible. But do you just have to sit down and wait for your turn, wait for, to be picked up and brought to the station, or how does it work after that? Then, um, yeah, it, it really does just come down to be as honest as possible and be as polite as possible. Honestly, obviously, you're not going to be very honest if you've done something wrong. But if you have held yourself in the right manner and um, you haven't actually done anything wrong then just be patient be polite and usually it works itself out mm -hmm. from what i've experienced although at the same time you know you're also working with somewhat i use quotations mark there of a gang whenever it comes to like doormen mm -hmm. wherever you are in the world so especially if they have more power and the police are going to take their side on it you also have to be very very careful you're kind of up against it in a way you're up against it like for sure um, and yeah. do you know off the top of your head how long can they hold you how long can they throw you in the drunk tank like if there is this vulnerable chance if you do take a dig at somebody can they just keep you in there until you go to trial or you get charged or something or? Uh, that's a good question I don't know the answer to that. okay we shall I don't actually I, there's what? a girl called Emma Passion and Gothenburg we'll check that for the next episode of the podcast because she's right. a, a criminal lawyer there we'll be interested to know because like you know uh, they're the things that we don't know when we go out and I've been here for 22 years and luckily I was at a stage where I behaved myself for the most part and mm -hmm. didn't get caught for the things I did. What are you doing with yourself now? Because one of the last times I saw you was a few years ago, you were fighting professionally in a cage, right? I, I was. I'm <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I would like to stress that I am not doing that anymore. How was that experience? Yeah. I've always had a huge respect for people who do what you did and had the courage to do that. To be honest, man, it was just my passion. So it was just bread and butter for me. Like mm -hmm. I just walked into the door every single day of the gym and just put the work in because I loved it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, my experience was... Love, hate, pain, pleasure, all of the above. What's it like when the gate closes and there's another man standing across from you? Oh, that gate. I was thinking of a different gate. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the most terrifying experience I've ever had to, to be a part of. Um, my old coach, my original coach, always used to say to me, you know, if somebody walks into that environment and they turn around and tell you that they're not afraid, they're either lying to you or they're crazy. And I was always afraid. It's a terrifying experience. Mm. But I think bravery is only shown whenever you're faced with fear. Mm. The last fight you, you, I think the last card we were on, what was the last uh, fight promotion that you were with there? Some Finnish cage or something you call yeah. it. Yeah. There, there was a big card. I remember seeing you fighting on the TV on before. Was Bama. That, oh, it was on Bama, yeah. Mm, in Dublin. In Dublin. That was a pretty big card to be involved in there. You know? so did you enjoy that experience? I think it, that fight didn't go your way, did it? No, I was fighting a fairly decorated um, uh, guy who's um, still doing pretty well now. But uh, yeah, that card itself, that experience was massive. That mm. was like the first like experience of like the big show and the lights. And yeah. Everyone was there. You were on TV. People in Sweden were watching it. Mm. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Mm. But... Um, the older I got and the further I moved into it, the more I was like, ah, this this actually isn't the life that I want to live anymore. Yeah. What was it about the life that you didn't like? Because I know you're a fierce competitor, right? So losing anything drives you fucking nuts, you yes. know? But was it was it that or was it that, you know, the juice ain't worth the squeeze? It's a hell of a lot of work that goes in there. You see, that's it. I mean, I was putting in what, I was in the gym 12 times a week 
every single week for about 10 years. And it got to the point of where like 10 years had come and it was like, you know, I just sort of questioned myself walking into the gym every day, you know, why am I still doing this whenever I'm not making any money from it, number one. And um, number two, it's like, I mean, like, think of my brain, like, you know, when I get older, do I want to still be getting punched in the head Mm. continuously or do I want to be reading books? It's a fairly easy choice when you put it like that. Do you know, you know? what I mean? And yeah. there, that's where I'm at now. I like mm. back in school, back studying, everything, mate. So I'm pretty happy. I saw recently on social media there that uh, you got your purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. For those mm-hmm. who don't know, it goes from white to blue to purple to brown to black. And purple is an awful lot closer to black than it is to white. Are you, are you proud of that achievement? Are you happy with what you've done on the mats? Aye, it's literally one of my greatest achievements because purple belt was the first thing I achieved in martial arts after I left MMA, mm. and whenever I first left MMA, it got to a point where I hated martial arts for a solid like year and a half. Did you? Yeah? Uh, deleted everyone I knew that done martial arts, gone off social media, didn't speak to anyone, wow. couldn't even think about it. And then jiu-jitsu gave my love back to it. Mm. And then I got a purple belt, and I was just like, brilliant. But jiu-jitsu is sort of relatively gentle. I mean, kickboxing and all that kind of thing, you can't take the violence out of that. Whereas with jiu-jitsu, it's down to technique, it's down to understanding balance and weight and pressure and that kind of thing. Did you find it easier to do that than to go in and slap somebody in the mouth? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. that always came easy to you as well. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's the thing. Like, you know, it's true. Like, because, you know, you have to have a certain level of aggression when mm. it comes to striking. You have to have it, because if you don't have it, you're never going to be able to bite. No. Um, but with jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is easy, mate. It's it's mm. it's it's known as a, it can be an old man sport. You know what I mean? And jiu-jitsu is like got competitors that are like forty and fifty and sixty years old yeah. because it it's somewhat easy on the body. Yeah, you don't have to want to hurt people, which you do for MMA. True enough. Mm. Sometimes you need to be able to do that to stand on the doors. Do you ever think you go back to stand on the doors of the pubs here? Did you do the Ordnings Fact thing? Did you get that licence in that, yeah? I did not. No, because I you had a not. different badge the time I saw you outside it a few years ago. Yeah, my badge was not even regulated. It was yeah. just, yeah, you can stand there if you want. Like, Yeah, but you, you wouldn't go back to doing that work again, would you? No, never, never. I just don't like the, the late nights anymore, the cold. Like I, like I said, I've done it for 10 years as well. I've done it for like five years in Belfast. Mm. And then I've done it five years here, and that was enough. I kind of have to ask what Belfast was like. I said it'd be some crack, even though it might be an awful lot more threatening. I said it was some crack on the doors. There. Was <laughs> yeah, like... it, was, it, was, it was great crack. <laughs> Belfast was, was powerful. Powerful. And lastly, um, we're in the SPR Academy here, the Athlete Factory here in the centre of Stockholm. You're working as a personal trainer here. Um, what's next for you? Are, you? are you happy with where you are now, now that you put MMA behind you, you've got your purple belt, only you know one more belt, and then it's a black belt, my friend. Is that where you want to get to? Uh, black belt is one, but black belt uh, is a minor accolade that I would like to achieve of uh, something much bigger that I want to go for. What I'm doing right now is basically trying to um, bring together a company or a business that allows me to um, facilitate performance coaching okay. for individuals. And I'm running retreats and stuff as well at the minute. And my, my final idea where I'm looking for is to have a facility where people can come and stay with me for like a week mm-hmm. or a weekend. And I can basically train them in the likes of breath work, mental coaching, physical coaching, martial arts, etc. So it's a whole package. And when will that be ready to go? You're hoping to get that up and running after Christmas now, are you? No, no, no. My, uh, my individual um, business is running for sure. My yeah. online is running after Christmas. But that's like, give me five Five, ten years, take that's years. the goal I'm looking for. Yeah. And then eventually, hopefully, turn it into a, um, a non-profit organization where I can help like 
kids that don't really know anything about health, mm. give it to them and train them to be beasts <laughs> for, the rest, for the rest of their lives, you know. <laughs> and if somebody wants to find you, Aaron, if they want to book a PTR with you or that kind of thing, can they find you on Instagram? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, that's a great question because I deleted all of my social media. Good man yourself. So uh, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to meet me, uh, SPR Athlete Factory. SPR Athlete Factory here in Stockholm. And yes. if you can't find SPR Athlete Factory here in Stockholm, you can email the Irish and Sweden podcast, uh, podcast at gmail.com or all the other social media uh, things that we have there. Aaron, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. As much, always, man. my friend. Appreciate Talk to you again it, soon. You're not off the drink, I see. Well, as a matter of fact, I am. I've been occasionally. Well, my father always said, take a, take a glass of whiskey and take a bottle of stout, but do it only once in a quarter of an hour, and then nothing will ever happen again. There you go, the late, great Brendan Bean. Um, a bottle of stout and a whiskey every quarter of an hour. I don't know, I reckon I'd be able to get into trouble if I was doing that, but sure, um, we let him have the last word on that front. Right, before we go any further, this is a listener-supported podcast. This is for you in the Irish community in Sweden. There's a couple of ways of supporting it, right? And thanks very much. There's one particular company that's got in touch that I'm going to go and speak to about a little bit of sponsorship slash advertising. Uh, there's two ways that you can support it as a listener, right? The best way for me and to give me a little bit of security going forward is to go to uh, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm, right? So if you can contribute a fiver every month there, that would help me. It would help me plan things. It would help me know that I'm going to be able to pay for the parking and the fine I got for the car when I was going to visit Aaron the other day. It would just make things much easier. So if we can get a few hundred people there, it just makes my life an awful lot easier, right? If you would prefer to make a once-off donation, the swish number is here. Liam, get on. Do you hear that? The swish number is here. And the number is 123-242-4166. So you can open your swish app if you have a Swedish bank account and you have swish on your phone. Open your swish app and the number is 123 242 4166, right? If you want to get in touch with the show, and please do get in touch with the show, you can email irishinsweedenpodcast at gmail.com and I'll get you there. Or you can find me personally on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on the Irish and Sweden Podcast Facebook page. Right. I'm just looking at the amount of stuff I've recorded this week, and this is going to be a long podcast because we had a good old chat about the Irish in Sweden and about what the GAA is doing for them. Now, if you don't know, I wrote a book that came out 10 years ago this year called A Parish Far From Home about how we set up the Stockholm Gales. And in my wildest dreams, I could never have imagined that we would have a club two hours up the road that are fast becoming our biggest rivals, that we would have a club up near the Arctic Circle who were in there to the very death with a shout of winning the Swedish Championship, that our old foes from Malmo and Gothenburg would still be battling away, and that there other places, other towns, other cities that are thinking of getting clubs together and we really hope to see that in the near future. Uh, the future of Gaelic games and indeed Gaelic football in particular has never looked brighter than what it does in Scandinavia at the moment. So I'm joined uh, by my old partner in crime, uh, him in the midfield, me in the foot forward line, Gary Lavelle from County Mayo and a proud Stockholm Gale and Conor McCann from Yavla GAA who only got his club up running this year but my word what a brilliant job they've done. Last night I talked to the two of them and here's what they had to say about Gaelic games in Sweden. Just to go to you first, right? How was it setting up a new club uh, in a new town in Sweden that had never seen Gaelic football before? Yeah, I was. Um, I suppose I moved up here now. I'm nearly here two years in Sweden, and the first year I went up there, it was um, 
there's plenty of talk about setting up a Gaelic football team and, um, you know, with the people up here, with the jobs that are happening up in Yavla, there was a good interest in it, but it just never got around to somebody actually kind of taking the ball by the horns and getting it set up. Um, so there last year, I suppose, we kind of, through Gary as well, was hampering me all the time um, to try and get a team set up. We... Um, Myself and a few of the guys uh, in Yavla there, we decided we'd get something going and we get a few guys if they were interested in and get a team set up. So once we, suppose we we started off, um, the, 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 there was probably only maybe five or six of training. And then when the world got around, then it ended up, you know, kind of building a bit of the, like, the, the kind of... The, Kind of everyone was a bit interested in it, and we ended up getting a good crowd out of training in the end. We had kind of 30 plus people um in the end training. So I think it was um it was a good thing for the guys up here as well that are away from home. Um, you know, that kind of brought them together, guys on kind of other sites and everything. Like I'd say half the guys I didn't even know going into the you know, kind of starting the the kind of the football team, and um that would have been on the same site as me, but I wouldn't ever ever talk to them or anything so you know it was a good thing everyone enjoyed it they they felt like it was a bit of home so it was for them kind of close by and it got you know that kind of social aspect of it as well so it was good to get it started and um kind of get involved with the like what gary there kind of helped us get it kicked off and that so he did um kind of held a presentation and got us in the right kind of tracks to getting the, the club set up so um here we are now with a fully set up club, so it's been great. Yeah, Gary, uh, Connor's making it sound like you were like Al Pacino on any given Sunday. There, what was your part of the whole thing? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of probably some of the lads maybe giving out to me for helping them. So I didn't <laughs> run it really to be honest. Made it harder throughout the year playing these boys, but uh, yeah, I just kind of knew you know, there's such a such a big crowd of lads working involved in them projects, and you know, talking to Connor there, you could see the interest was in it. Um, and you know just in different pockets you could you could tell those people who wanted to get behind it and i suppose just kind of knew from you know dealing with yourselves and staff on games for so long that the, the the interest would be there it was just a case of just to get it going and uh thankfully the lads traveled down to stockholm they, they rounded up the numbers that was the first kind of friendly um competition between the two clubs and that was never no one ever had that before not even the lads that played with stockholm to to have someone travel up that morning, play a bit of football, get the interest going. And it really, that sparked off the year to make it probably the best kind of year for, for GAA in Sweden as well. So it's a credit to them. And there's a lot of companies as well that got behind them up there, um, Irish companies and really looking after lads that are, they're out in Sweden. So um, without their help as well, like you wouldn't be able to do it. And um, in fairness to all the other lads, O'Connor was a big part of it, but they, they held the last tournament, the finale up in, in Yavle. They they raised a lot of money for local charities as well, as well as put on a, a great exhibition of football. Like So, um, yeah, it was a great year all around, really was. And Connor, how many Irish people are in Yavla and who are they, right? Because myself and Gary and yourself, we know, right? But just explain to the listeners where they're from, what they're doing up there. You could probably say there's somebody from every county in Ireland, I would say. Um, like the most definite. Um, we're all up here working on engineering, uh, you know, kind of projects, the kind of the data center world, which is booming at the minute. Um, they're all apprentice, you know, apprentice, uh, you know, kind of electrician, plumbers, like engineers um, that are all 
traveling to and from Sweden, uh, I suppose on the monthly basis, um, and have based their work up here, and their they suppose the majority of their time is uh, it's spent now in the Avla kind of area. Um, there's the young guys from the age at 17 and 18 up the guys in their 60s who are you know involved with the club now, which is good. Um, so it's been a good interest, like, and um, kind of everyone's got behind it, and it's uh, it's good fun. Of course, Yavla, for the, uh, the uninitiated, maybe the people who don't live in Sweden or haven't been to that part of the world, it's about an hour and a half or two hours north of Stockholm if Gary is driving, an hour and a half north of Stockholm if I'm driving. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like, it, what's the Irish community like there? Because there's no Irish pub, Connor, right? So what yeah. do fellas do? What do they want to do? What's missing in their lives? And what does the club provide for them, do you think? Yeah, well, I think, the, well, I think the club give them more a bit of a, you know, as I said, they're a kind of home away from home. Um I think those a lot of the guys that were up there that maybe didn't know other guys on sites and were feeling a bit maybe because like the Avila is not like a uh, kind of Stockholm. It's you know it's a small town. You know there's no Irish bar like you know the really so there's not um, there probably wasn't that sense of an Irish kind of community about there until the football came in and kind of people got around the football and you know kind of behind the lads and it even gave the people that are working there. That weren't involved with the football, something to go and to watch and to be interested in, you know. Um, the lads themselves, they're you know, they enjoy now. We had um, we're kind of embracing in the Swedish style as well. We had uh, we had a few a few kind of outings during the year as well. There recently, we had like a kind of a Christmas party that we had for, for kind of for the gay. So we um, we tried our hand at uh, at a kind of an evening full of ice hockey. So that was interesting. So it was, there was more people sliding about than, uh, than on their feet, but it was good. So it was, everyone had good fun. So it was, everyone's been talking about it since. So, um, you know, the guys are involved now. What's, you know, they're enjoying the skiing and the snowboarding and snowmobiling and kind of everything now that comes along with the Swedish, like the winters up here. So they're enjoying themselves. Um, and then the summer times they're kind of traveling about Sweden and the Nordics then taking it all in when they're up here. So they're enjoying themselves. Gary, you've been around slightly longer than Connor and slightly longer than the community in Yavla. How has Gaelic football in the region changed? Because when you and I started playing, we had Oslo, Copenhagen, Malmo were the biggest rivals. Gothenburg were there, thereabouts. But since then, Gothenburg have fallen off the radar. Copenhagen haven't had much of a men's team recently. Helsinki have become much better. We've had a couple of the rise and fall of a couple of clubs in uh, in Oulu and in Yvaskala. And actually Tallinn are back on the radar now over in Estonia. Boy, Jesus, lads, that'd be some trip if they managed to get going again. Well, how have you seen a change in your time playing in the Nordic region, Gary? Uh, yeah, like you said, some of the some of them cities and locations like obviously had spurts for different reasons. There might have been like that a construction project that might have only lasted a year or two. Like obviously, Odense came back on the scene there as well from Denmark. Um, they were champions for two years in a row there, I think, as well when things were going strong. So you can see it, it goes around around the region. I think some of the clubs like Malmo and and others um, are more of a kind of an Asian, an Asian group, I'd say. They're more used to playing with me and you. And probably there's not too many young fellas coming through. And I think COVID as well for the last two years has kind of stopped maybe some of the students that would travel to these universities. Like, But I know like Connor's touching on, yeah, it would be in a small place. But even in, in Stockholm, in a big city, like you can nearly be more isolated when you don't have a community like the GAA there as well. So... Um, you know, I see lads that were coming in um, this year, especially 
was just the momentum that was happening similar to us we've never would have had 20 lads coming to trainings you know on average between 50 25 lads regularly going to trainings and um you could see that that brought its own social scene with it as well and a couple of guys have come out on placements uh with like enterprise island the different ones and obviously headquarters would be stockholm so but they come out and they're coming into a kind of ready-made place where they can just make friends enjoy the city go on social nights like that um which wouldn't have always been the case um before and i think that's one of the great things about how it's happening now and, and to see that this year without traveling out of the country and putting that strain or worry on people everyone enjoyed their football as much as ever i think that was what was good about it this year one of the best days uh, I've had in all my 22 years in Sweden was the day the Yavla boys got on planes, trains and automobiles. They came to two hours down the road and we played that first challenge match back in the spring. Um, Connor, were you you were at that game, weren't you? I actually wasn't. No, I was away no. for the first game. So I was I was at the actually the first game, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. The second leg of it was in Diavla. Yeah. Um, so it was. But I heard the, the I think the first one, I think that's where um that's where it all kicked off. So that it was, uh, you know, it was good. It was uh, kind of the good competition that was, uh, you know, close. Supposed to kind of the rivalry kind of kicked off a bit there. Do you know what, man? It was so funny club. because for for a year, for a year, a year and a half, myself and Gary were saying if we could just get them on the pitch, then the rest will look after itself, yeah. right? Because we kind of had a feeling we beat you by a couple of points, but we knew then that that had light a fire under you. You know, so yeah, yeah. what was the vibe like when you came back? When the rest of the lads came back there and said, "Ah, we lost by a couple of points, but I think we can take them." Was that they how? Were, it yeah, they were all like the raring to go, and I think. That's I think that's what's helped supposed to, um now this is only my first year in the Swedish kind of championship or whatever, but um I think it's helped that we've had good competitive games and you know it's kind of it's a throw of a ball or a kick of a ball, you know, in the end up that's like kind of like deciding these games, which makes it you know interesting and guys are like the raring to go then for the next tournaments, thinking you know what we can you know, we can beat Stockholm or we can beat the Avalagays on the next tournament and whatever. Like, so I think it's been interesting that like the, this year, the way we've gone down to Stockholm and like the kind of the won the tournament down there and you used then come up here, then, you know, up to Avala and like the betters on the final tournament. So it's just a kick of a ball and just, uh, you know, on the day in it, which is, um, which gives, you know, the lads a bit of fire to try and, uh, you know, kind of keep things going and, you know, it's enjoyable football then, so it is. Um, Gary, you pulled your boots back on seriously. You'd moved into coaching. You were working with the Stockholm Gales ladies and the men for a while, but you went full-time back into playing, right? So, and I know you for many years as being a very, very competitive fellow. What was it like in the middle of the park there in the tournaments this season? Uh, yeah, very competitive. Body was a lot sore for, for longer <laughs> after after the games. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I, I had done it, I suppose, Personal situations there with having a little baby and stuff didn't feel like I could commit with the same way with playing and, and you know, you different things were happening with COVID and everything else. So done was doing a bit of coaching, really enjoyed that. There's a great um, ladies um, side to the GA as well, which you probably haven't touched on, like, but that way, yeah, I was involved with uh, my wife, would have played with the Stockholm Gales. Um, so coached a bit with, with them and they're a great group, like in, in, in terms of, um, beginners and people that really take to the GA and love it like the the lady set up is, is great to see and even with Lulio and, and Diablo now hopefully next year them clubs can really kick on in the same way again it just takes that bit of time um, once see what the weekend is like enjoy it and I'm sure they'll round up and get a few more um, 
teams for next year and, and let that even kick on another level again. Um, but yeah, decided to uh, just kind of the way it panned out then was able to, well, luckily enough, we had Damien there working and doing the coaching with our group and was able to was able to manage two teams and kind of freed up my time again to just get yeah get back playing again, which I really enjoyed it now this year, yeah, because I thought I was kind of giving it all the rest of the stitch. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen you enjoy your football as much in years, you know, because you were just in there in the middle of the pitch with nothing else to worry about, you know. But Connor, could I ask you about the ladies? Because we had some, uh, the day we played the very first game down here against you guys, there was some women came down, they didn't realise that we were kind of expecting them to play. You had one or two players, like Irish girls who played the game before, but the Swedish girls were going, ah, that's not for us, you know, because yeah. it just took that little while. Is it getting better? Do you think you might be able to field a women's team in 2022? Yeah, it's so there, there came a bit. Well, at the start, there was an interest in it from a few of the ladies, um, and it's. I think the momentum. There was a few of the girls that were that were big into it, and like who were good players, and that they were. Um, they either went home or they moved on to different jobs, and the momentum for the ladies then kind of fell away. There was only maybe the one or two of them there, um, so there was that was interest in playing football. Um, so hopefully. The next year when we get kind of started off early and that we can try and kind of get a few more out and get um, even a few of the locals involved and things like that. Like so. Yeah. Was there one lad who was playing cornerback for your lads? A fine young Swedish fellow about 22, 23. There was, yeah, Carl. So yeah, like we've had a few that's um that's joined us that never played Gaelic football before. And Carl is from the kind of the Avla kind of area. And um he came down the first night he came down, like and he didn't know to bounce it or to solo it or anything. And like the guy has come on like the leaps and bounds and he like, he loves the sport now. So he does like, he's yeah. like the kind of the really into it. He was like playing all our games like on the main team as well. So he was, and uh, you know, he came on like the leaps and bounds and he's uh, kind of turning out to be an all right player. Yes. He was fantastic. He came on, he was marking me and uh, I got a ball in. I was playing corner forward one day and I got a ball in and Carl was marking me and I played the ball off to Paul Curley. Paul Curley will be known to many of the people listening to this podcast, a stalwart of the Gothenburg GA club. And Paul has been doing judo for years and he literally ran over Carl and Carl just stood up as if nothing had happened. Yeah, and I thought yeah, that it was like day. the young fella had been hit by a fucking car and I thought, oh God, because he'd been saying to me, you know, I, like, I'm like i past the stage where I'm uber competitive. So I'll chat to the fella that's marking me as yeah, I go along. Yeah. I know Troy's Gary Mad. Gary got shut up talking and fucking yeah. play, you know. But uh, I was talking to him because you want to encourage these Swedish lads to get involved. Yeah, in that. It's yeah. brilliant to see him play, you know. And yeah. um, Connor, what was the best and the worst moment for you this season? Um, probably the best, like the moment. Probably the best moment I can say is probably been off the pitch, where um, where after the kind of the I think it was the Gothenburg tournament. It was our first really official tournament that we played of the year like mm. just the lads coming up and like kind of thanking us for you know setting up the club and how it like the mental um to have such a thing now and like the, the, you know the yavla and that and um you know just kind of hearing the lads you know kind of praising the club and praising everyone that set it up and how they've enjoyed it and how how it like the meant them even stay here and like the work a bit like the longer instead of heading back to Ireland there was a few guys that were thinking of going back to Ireland that they weren't you know you know enjoying been up in Sweden and that it changed their their whole like the mentality up here and they're enjoying themselves and they made new friends and you know all that there. So I think that's probably one of the main highlights. Um and I'm gonna throw in uh the one in the tournament in Stockholm as well. So I'll we'll give you that. 
yeah, just for Gary there. Um, <laughs> no, well, uh, and then the, I would say the low then was probably getting beat then in our own tournament then. That's probably the low. Yeah, I mean, there, there was one percent to me that felt really bad for you guys because the hospitality yeah. there was amazing. The setup yeah. was absolutely amazing. And then we went to beach in the final and that was for, for all the marbles. Whoever it won was, that won the yeah. championship, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Gary, can I put the same question to you? Because again, with the experience that you've had, you played on a lot of different teams, a lot of different men and women over the years here. What, what meant most in the season to you and what was the worst of it? Uh, well, it's similar, I think. The worst for me, probably personally, was when, when the lads came down and bet us in Stockholm in our, our home tournament. I, know, that's, I think that's just when you're playing like that. But at the same time, it was the same so it was it was good to see it like because as Connor said, the, the, the games were competitive and it teed it up for that kind of last weekend. And um, it is something that we enjoyed to see because when the when the clubs are struggling with numbers and stuff, you don't want it to become a kind of two tiered kind of championship rant, and you want every every game to be played that way. And I think the fact that we had uh, Yavlin, Lulio, and Stockholm all competitive, and then there was a couple of the the secondary teams that the, the B teams were all playing at a level that was competitive as well for them to bring on other players too. So it was great. I think yeah, yeah, I think the whole year was was a very good year. But then um, yeah, seeing seeing us. Finally, obviously, as you know, Phil Stockholm hadn't won for, I don't know, maybe four or five years, I think, altogether since our last championship. So just to kind of see that and, and as well as sitting in the dressing room after and seeing some of the guys actually know what it's like to celebrate winning some a cup like that and seeing how happy it made them all after starting training and I think we started training in March or something, end of February, March. So uh, just to get a bit of reward out of what they put in and see how much they enjoyed it, like that was that was definitely the best. I think most of the listeners to this podcast in Stockholm, Connor, are going to want to know what sort of a team you expect to be fielded next year. Do you expect to be able to keep most of the lads now and come back stronger next year? I think, uh, yeah. fingers crossed, we can. Um, it's supposed to be the construction industry is and the young lads are all doing apprenticeships and things like that there, so... They're all going to be going back home at some stage to do their, you know, exams, and there'll be new people coming out, and as the work gets busy and and uh, and that, so it's really we can't really predict too much. Um, so we can't with the young guys that are doing apprenticeships and that, but um, hopefully we'll have a few. We'll have probably five or six kind of of our starters that'll like to remain there anyway that are you know here for the long haul. So um, we have both the spine of the team anyway there, so we do. When you say the long haul, Connor, because I was talking to a fellow on a flight back to Dublin there at the end of October, early November, and he was saying that you guys could be up there for 10 years. Is that right? That's it, yeah. Like, the work's up here, so it is. Um, you know, there's a lot of construction work to be done up here in the Avla kind of area. So, like, the long may it, like, the last, as mm-hmm. they say, like, so, um, and we can keep the Avla team going so we can. So, um, hopefully, we'll get 10 years anyway out of it. And that was, this is really my last question to both of you, and I appreciate both of you taking the time to talk to me about this. But Connor, can we leave a legacy? Can we leave, you know, if you ever decide to leave Yavla, say you don't get married and settle down there, whatever, but can you ever pack your bags and leave a team of 11 Swedes up there that we can go up and play against and that they can give us a good game several times a year? Do you think that's, that's a possibility? That's plan, I know, yeah. So, like the likes of Carl there, that's there, we're on to him trying to get a few more of the locals out. Like, we want to get them more of the locals involved there. So, we do, like, um, you know, we had the the local press as well um, were kind of there for the tournament and, you know, had a bit in the paper before the tournament as well. And um, there was actually a guy 
There was a guy that turned up today at the tournament, an Irish guy, I think from Louth or somewhere, that's been in Yavla for 20-odd years. And he couldn't believe it when he was going through the paper to see that there was a GAA tournament on in the Yavla, you know, area. So and he turned up on the day and he had a great, you know, day out of it. So hopefully we can keep it going and we can, you know, entice a few more of the locals and that to, to join the club and kind of keep it going when the likes of us aren't there, maybe kind of the potentially in the future. You t- this is the thing that means the most to me, Connor. Because like yeah. when you when you hear of a man like that who's lived up there for twenty years, maybe hasn't met an Irish person during that time. Yeah. There's never been an Irish pub there for him, nothing there for him, and yet still he didn't know until the day of the tournament. Because you, yeah. your club has been going all summer, but this is yeah. the thing, and this is what we're fucking hoping to do with this podcast is to reach out to people. Gary, yeah. I'm gonna let you do the Big Brother thing because you're very good at the Big Brother thing, right? Have you any advice for Connor ahead of next season, or are you, are you very wary of giving advice to your nearest competitors? Oh no no! There's no advice now anymore. That's <laughs> after uh, after the boys first rocked down to Stockholm, I think. <laughs> were, were you surprised by them, Gary? Were you surprised with the fact because they came down here and they were very very close? I mean, we were used to playing the eleven aside game, so we knew how to use the space better. But you know, they learned very very quickly, didn't they? Oh no, absolutely! Like I know you've you've touched on Kara there now, probably the nicest fella you've ever met on a on a GA pitch, like but. Uh, and even even it's just funny that those lads at the Yabla tournament as well, obviously friends of his too. And you do hope to, to see them as well. Like I mean, Stockholm have have a few like that as well with Magnus and Antoine from France and, and different lads that you want to see them keep going and keep playing, which which is great. Like, but yeah, yeah, no, look, those lads there, and I'm sure there's fellas that probably similar to myself before playing with Stockholm hadn't played since they were in secondary school, or maybe they just had different interests at home, and it reunites that kind of. I'll give it a go again. So, like, maybe it takes a bit of a while, but you can see, obviously, the, the training set up that got involved, the lads got organised up there, and uh, it's definitely a case of um, there's going to be no one caught on their heels next year, I don't think. I think everyone has to be ready to go. Yeah. Taking on the turkey and ham dinners as well over Christmas. <laughs> I will squeeze up with it. Gentlemen, I've said for years that the future of this game in Sweden and in Scandinavia is with the names of people who we don't even know yet. And uh, long may it continue. But what I can say is I can't wait to see the two of you going at it on a football pitch again yeah. as soon as the snow melts. Connor, Gary, thanks very much for joining me. Cheers, folks. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I, I love, I love, I love me county, you know. We love John Great, John Milan of Waterford there rounding off that discussion and indeed our own Waterford man here in Stockholm, Keith Hearn is also well known for getting the last word that is the last word for this week from episode 3 of the Irish in Sweden podcast before you go, um, share it out okay, share it on LinkedIn, share it on Facebook, right, I, I have this idea that oh, yeah, no, I know all the Irish people, so I don't right, there's loads of people working in Uppsala and Vesteros and in Luleå and in Yavre who've never heard of me, probably not a fucking bad thing but we want to reach out to everybody, right so if we can get everybody on board, that'll be fantastic fantastic uh, if you're packing up if you're doing your last few days of work now and you're getting ready you're heading to the airport I know a few of the lads were up at Orlando last night they come down from Yavla and they were getting ready to go home the best of luck to you I hope you have a wonderful Christmas at home I'm hoping next week that we'll have a little bit of an episode about Christmas food right and places to celebrate Christmas so if you know of anywhere doing a Christmas dinner anywhere in Sweden let me know uh, I'm going to talk to somebody about Swedish Christmas food and uh, where you can get the materials for a traditional Irish Christmas dinner as well right if you are traveling and you need something to listen to the 
book I wrote about uh, setting up the Stockholm Gales all those years ago, back in 2009, 2010, is called A Parish Far From Home. And if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, you'll find it on my SoundCloud feed as an audiobook, right? It's there, it's free. I put it up at the start of the pandemic for everybody, so feel free to listen to that. Uh, it's all there for you. As I said, uh, if you can contribute at all, poss- if at all possible to the podcast, that would be magnificent. It would help me out greatly in keeping this going. Uh, the Swish number, if you have a Swedish bank account, is 123-242-4166. So that's 123-242-4166. Patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. If you want to become a monthly contributor, that'd be great. And if you have a business, and again, you may not will be wanting to advertise, right? Because I may not have your audience right here. But if you're involved in the community here and you want to support a community initiative, please do get in touch. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to be aiming for sort of one podcast a week, one decent quality podcast a week. If you're outside of Stockholm, please do get in touch if you have any stories to tell me. So uh, in the meantime, remember, there's no strength without unity. So uh, look after each other out there. Help each other out if you can. Be careful if you're out there traveling. Uh, try not to get exposed to this poxy virus so that we can play Gaelic football again next season. And I'll talk to you uh, hopefully early next week about Christmas food, Swedish and Irish, and how we get the most out of it. And I might even put a bonus podcast under the tree towards the end of the week. Take care.